0: sang the sermon today. I appreciate Pastor Matt as he prays through the songs to sing. We pretty much just sang a whole bunch of the sermons today. He said, well, why are you going to preach then? Can't we just go to eat lunch now? No. Some good stuff here in Romans. These are my favorite 39 verses in all of the Bible, the 39 verses of Romans chapter 8. Don't you get tired of bad news You know, you've heard me say I pretty much have unplugged from watching a whole lot of TV other than college football. I'm not that spiritual yet. I can't give that up. But the dogs didn't play yesterday, so I'm a little chill today. Didn't have to get worked up too much yesterday. Um... But I get tired of bad news. I mean, 24-7, and if you turn on the radio or television or anything, it's all about the, the war in Israel, it, between Israel and Hamas, and rightfully so. That j- city of Jerusalem is the centerpiece of all human history. That's where it's all going to come to a close when Jesus is going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives and rule and reign. So that's the bad news there and the horrific stuff that's happened to women and in children. I get tired of hearing about inflation and the bad news of that with no end in sight. You know, my mom was saying the other day, you know, y'all really need to kind of think about getting out of that house as you get older because we live in a split-level house. We'd love to get out of that house. But have you looked at interest rates and the cost of homes? And it's tempting because, like, we could make a lot of money. We could get way more money off that house that we live in, but we couldn't buy a shack for what we make for it. You get tired of inflation, and of course I see that every day in the stores. I get tired of inflation. You hear about the divorce rate skyrocketing, lying politicians who just look at us in the face like we're idiots and tell ball-faced lies. I get tired of that stuff. Students get tired of bad grades. You get tired of hearing about all the different kinds of cancer. There's too much bad news in the world today. But I got an announcement for you to make. For the child of God is all good. It's all good. No matter what you're going through, it's all good. That's the theme that we're running with through the book of Romans, the chapter of Romans 8. It's all good. For the child of God, no matter how bad things get, it's all good. And not only is it all good, the best is yet to come when we see Jesus face to face. And so that's what Romans 8 is, a wonderful reminder that no matter what we're going through, it's all good. Romans 1 through 7 builds the undeniable case that we're some messed up folks, right? Romans 1 through 7 lays the undeniable case that we are all sinners. Nobody's perfect. We all struggle with sin. We were born that way. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. We're born with that sin nature. And nobody deserves God's love and forgiveness. I'm so glad the book of Romans didn't stop at chapter 7. There's a dramatic shift when you get to chapter 8. And that's where we're going to start today. Imagine you committed some horrific crime. You know, maybe you uh, were out drinking and driving and, and you killed a family and you're, you're on death row for that or something happened. You're on death row and you know you're guilty. You know you committed, you know you deserve to die. And there's nothing to be done about it but just sit in that cell and check off the dates on the calendar until your execution date comes. But then you get the unbelievable news how hey, you don't have to die somebody's going to take your place. They've agreed to die. You say, that would never happen. I'm telling you, it did happen. When Jesus Christ, God's personal expression of himself, and Mike Dura deserved to die and go to hell and be separated from God forever, Jesus said, I got him. I got him. He's one of mine. When Jesus hung naked on a cross between two thieves, he died. They laid him in a bar to him and he rose again. He took my whipping. He took my punishment for me. What a stunning thought. My brain can't hardly contain that. So Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1, if you're physically able to stand, let's stand and honor the reading of God's Word. Because you didn't come to hear from a preacher, we came to hear from the Word of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it's true for all people, for all places and all times. That's why we stand and honor the reading of God's Word. So now, there's that transition from One through seven of the fact that we're messed up, dirty, rotten sinners. So now, there is no condemnation. Can I get an amen right there? There is no condemnation. That has kind of been one of the theme verses of Transformation Church from day one. Gracie's not here today, but she's the one that just over and over, no condemnation, no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's key right there. If you don't belong to Christ Jesus, there's great condemnation to come. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. We've been set free from the power of sin that leads to death. So no death row for me, no death row for you. They can put me in a prison cell. They can execute me. They can chop my head off. They can put a bullet through my head. But the best is yet to come because I know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. And it's all good. Father, thank you. That Jesus made it possible for us to say, it's all good. Lord, for those of us who know you as the Lord and the Savior of our life, we rejoice in the reality today that no matter how dark this old world gets, we know that it's all good and it's just going to get better. The best is yet to come when we see you. Speak to our hearts today, Lord Jesus. May May we rejoice in these truths. May these truths motivate us to share the good news of the gospel that others can know. That peace that we sang about earlier. Lord, if there are any of us that are out of sorts, we're saved, but we're out of fellowship with you. God, remind us there's no condemnation today, and you are as close as the mention of your name. You are reaching out those nail-scarred hands, wanting to restore us and put us back on the the right road to honor you. You be honored today. You transform lives today as only you can. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. You ever ever feel trapped by your past failures? I came to know the Lord when I was 15 and, you know, on fire for the Lord and life transformed and going to live for Jesus forever and ever and ever. And then my senior year of high school just slowly, gradually, it wasn't anything, it wasn't like a major shift. It was gradual. A gradual, we call it backsliding. I took my eyes off the Lord, put my eyes on my peer group I wanted to fit in. And before I knew it, I was so far from the Lord, it was like he was a distant, I could still see him out there. The conviction of the Holy Spirit still eating me up when you know Christ is the Lord of your life. You can't run from Him. You can run, but you can't hide the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You ever feel trapped by your failures? I mean, senior year in high school, freshman year in college, I lived like a lost person. Um, Rededicated my life to Christ as a college student there in Athens. Met my bride who would have never given me the time of day. She would have never given me one date 35 years she's put up with me, but because of what Jesus did. And by the way, those of you who are dating, or even if you're married, we've been married 35 years. We dated for, what, about two years before that. We had the cheapest date yesterday we've ever had. Am I right about this, baby? We went shopping at Sam's. We got two hot dogs, two large drinks, two bags of chips for $4.87. The cheapest date ever. So if you really want to impress your your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't have a lot of money to spend, we had a blast. That hot dog tastes so good just because I knew it was so cheap. And if you're like me, it was gluten-free and all beef, okay? So yeah, I'm like, we need to do this every week. It's a meal for less than Five bucks. We couldn't have bought two Happy Meals for that at McDonald's. I'm, I'm off track here. Why did I? Why did I get it? She would have never dated the guy that I was, but because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life when I repented of my sins, He took me back. And so then we get married and we move off to seminary in Lynchburg, Virginia. We lived there for seven years. A church in Middle Georgia calls us, and I'm from South Georgia. Middle Georgia is close to South Georgia. there's like two Georgias, you know this, right? I think it was Governor Joe Frank Harris years ago put forth the theory there's two Georgias. there's Atlanta in North, and there's everything It's like two different worlds. Those of us from South Georgia, we can tell you this is true, right? Two different worlds. But I thought, oh, I'm glad I'm, I want to get back to Georgia, and that's a great church, but it show sure is close to Cordell, my hometown. If I go back that close to my hometown and I encounter people who knew me the way that I was. What are they going to think? I was, even though I'd been set free, I was serving the Lord, those past failures were in my mind. I knew I'd been forgiven, but I was still ashamed of that. You ever think that everybody sins, all fall short of the glory of God, but my sin is different. My sin is too big. He may forgive those people, he might use those, but he ain't going to forgive me. Can I just say as kindly as I can, don't flatter yourself. One drop of the precious blood of Jesus is enough to forgive all of our sins, past, present, and future. Maybe people want to bring it up to you. Maybe people want to remind you of it, and you feel like you're trapped in a prison cell. I'm telling you, it's all good because of Jesus. He wants to set you free. That's number one. Write this down. Jesus sets us free from guilt. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I just want to preach in a Pentecostal church where folks get excited, okay? He set us free from guilt. I don't have to live in that mess anymore. Because of his death and his victorious resurrection, I don't have to live in that. Now, listen, there is shame in sin, and that's not a bad thing. You know, we don't glory in our sin. I'm not proud of the stuff that I used to do. There's shame there, but that shame and that conviction ought to keep me from ever wanting to go back there ever, ever again. I've got a memory of what that was like. I've got a memory of the misery. Although it was Joe Cool on the outside, on the inside I was being eaten up. So when you go back and you ask for forgiveness of something, Jesus has already forgiven you of that. If it happened prior to your salvation, he buries our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you're like, you confess it to the Lord. He's like, what are you talking about? What sin? He's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. We walk in that victory. Surely, you know, I don't know how many Superman movies there have been, but the real Superman movie with Christopher Reeves where he got in the wheelchair. The real Superman movie, right? Remember when he went around the world backwards and made time go back so he could rescue Lois Lane? <clears throat> you ever wish you could? I wish I could do that. Wish I could go backwards around the world and just undo some of the, I started to say C-R-A-P, but that's crude, so I won't say it. some of the mess in my life. I'd like to undo some of that. I spelled it, it's just the same, right? I wish I could undo some of that, but I cannot. I don't have to undo it because Jesus undid it for me when he rose again from the dead. I have learned experientially. Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it's going to always cost you more than you want to pay. I can't undo that. I've got the scars to prove that, but I accept the forgiveness of Jesus when he said in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation. Don't you let the devil, don't you let your friends, don't you let your family, don't you let anybody beat you down and shame you because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's number one. Number two, not only that, he sets us free from the penalty and the power of sin. He sets us free from the penalty and power of sin. There is a high cost of low, to low living. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23 says, the price tag that I deserve, I deserve to die and go to hell forever and ever. That's what the wages of sin is, but the gift of God. It's a gift. We work to earn a paycheck, right? We don't have to work to earn our salvation. We receive the gift of salvation. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he's saying here in Romans six twenty-three, just kind of a backup to Romans 6, that we're all sinners, I didn't do anything to deserve salvation. I can't do anything to lose my salvation. My salvation was a gift. Thank God I can't earn it. I feel sorry for people who believe that stuff. People who think you can lose your salvation, I would lose my mind. Because maybe y'all are perfect, but you're looking at a preacher. I'm not perfect. I get irritated. Have y'all noticed? It's like stupid people are multiplying in the world. Have y'all noticed that? They seem to multiply more than people who have brains these days. I don't know why that is. I get irritated. I'm not always, you know, in preacher mode, okay? I struggle with my flesh just like you struggle with your flesh. So I deserve to die and go to hell for some of the sinful thoughts that I have. Jesus sets us free from not only the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. Let's go to the text again, Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to him, if you're saved, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us, the Old Testament law, because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son. He didn't just send a boy. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. He set us free from the power of sin by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law that has to be a payment for that sin would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. For years and years and years, the Old Testament law, that was the boss. And the fact that they had to kill and sacrifice animals, that spoke, man, there's a high cost of sin. It took death. It took the shedding of blood. Hebrew says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. That showed them that, hey, there's coming a Messiah. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming, and he's going to pay for your sins once and for all. So Bible-believing Old Testament Jews, they believe that. They look forward to the coming Messiah. And as I said last week, as we talked about end times prophecy, all of the promises, Promises about the coming Messiah, those have all come true. All those promises came true just like, I mean, as specific as a city. He said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Now, to us, that's not a big deal. Our whole lives, we know about Bethlehem. We lived in middle Georgia, Shirley Hills Baptist Church, a big church, did a walk through Bethlehem every year. We used to say, it's not Christmas at the Dura House till we've been to Bethlehem. We took our kids there. They had, you know, the, the, you walk through the city of Bethlehem. You had to pay your taxes and the whole nine yards, we know Bethlehem. That would be like in today's world if you went to New York City or London, England, or Moscow, Russia, said, hey, Messiah's coming, and he's going to be born in Lula, Georgia. They'd say, what? Where's that? Nobody knew about Bethlehem. It was an insignificant city. But when Jesus was born, it was just like it said it was going to happen. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 said, behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son. Well, that's not possible, right? You know, uh, You know biology, a virgin can't have a baby unless you put God in the equation. But the Holy Spirit of God, it happened just like it said it was going to happen. All those prophecies have come true. So we know, I said last week, the next great event on God's prophetic calendar that has not come true is the rapture of the church. Soon and very soon we're going to see the king. So God sent his perfect son. I'm not smart enough to really wrap my brain around it. I just accept it because God said it. Jesus wasn't 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man. That just blows a gasket in my brain. Only God could make something like that happen. Because Jesus was 100% man, the Bible says he was tempted. He never sinned, but he was tempted. We see an account of that when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. He was tempted, and he never sinned. He was one of us, y'all. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to do things that humans did, but yet he was God. It took that perfect sacrifice. For 33 years, Satan pushed him, and he pushed him to Calvary. And there he planned to kill the Son of God and ensure his victory, but Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. I don't have to live in those chains that we sang about anymore. I don't have to live in bondage anymore. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Mike's sin left a crimson stain, but hallelujah, he washed it whiter than snow. So he saved me from the penalty of sin, but he also saved me from the power of sin. You may remember years ago there were three, three young teenage girls kidnapped in Cleveland, Ohio. They were held captive as slaves by an evil, demented, probably demon-possessed man for ten years. Can you imagine? Teenage girls held captive for 10 years and treated as this pervert slave. One of them even had a baby in captivity. Amanda Berry, at the age of 16, she called her sister, said, hey, I'm on the way home from Burger King. I'm going to get a ride home from Burger King. And they didn't hear from her for 10 years. In 2013... uh, Amanda was able to holler and get the attention of a neighbor who set those girls free. And she called 911 and she said, I'm Amanda Berry. I'm free. I'm here. I'm here now. I'm free. Can you imagine after being enslaved for 10 years at the hands of an evil man who put them through unthinkable things and they were set free? I can imagine it because I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the seas heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me. Now safe and free am I. His name is Jesus. He set me free from the penalty of sin. I deserve to go to hell, that's my penalty. He set me free from the power of sin. I don't have to sin like I used to. In 1863... Contrary to popular belief, I was not alive then, but in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation that that freed human beings who were held in slavery. He declared them free once and for all. No internet, no television, no no mass communication. For many years, some of those poor people continued to live in slavery because they didn't know they'd been set free. You think, how sad is that? It's the same for Christians who've given our life to Jesus, but yet we continue to live in slavery to sin. Jesus died to set you free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. We don't have to do the things that we used to do. We don't make excuses for that. He's, and that's number three. Jesus sets us free to deny ungodly desires. Jesus sets us free to deny those ungodly desires. What does the word say? Verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind that leads to death, but letting the Spirit, capital S, control your mind that leads to life and peace. The only re- the the fact that murder is a felony is the only reason some people are alive. You know what I'm saying? I, I had a student years ago, Joseph Bradley Jeweler. Remembers him? You know, on Twitter, you. Or, well, it's X, and it used to be Twitter. you got the thumbs up, the thumbs down button. Joseph Bradley said, Twitter needs a slap button. You just, you're such an idiot. You ought, this ought to be slapped. I don't have to give in the temptation to hit people. Some people just have that look. Am I right about this? That look that says, I need to be slapped. And so I don't have to give in to that because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I don't have to give in to that. They might deserve it, but it's not my place to do that. And you know what? They look at me and go, that joker, he needs to be slapped too. So Many, many times. What if... Every thought you and I had in the last week kind of rolled on the pro presenter today. I'd fake an asthma attack or a heart attack and I'd be out of here, okay? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want that and you wouldn't want that. What keeps us from acting on every impulse? We're still sinners in a fallen world. We still struggle with sin. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that allows us to say no to those things. Listen, I'm not born that way. I can't blame my family heritage. You know, I'm Irish. Dura used to be O-Dura. What do you know about Irish? They like to drink and they have a bad temper. I can't say because I'm Irish. It's my excuse to have a bad temper and drink. No, Jesus sets me free from that. I was not born that way. Well, I was born that way. I was born with the propensity to sin but jesus came in and took over and i can say no to those ungodly desires it matters what you set your mind on it matters what you put into your brain it matters what you have set on your pandora your itunes or however you listen to music used to be radio but not that much anymore if you listen if we if i listed out the top 10 things that i thought about this week where would jesus be on that list Where would the Word of God be on that list? If you listed out the top 10 things that dominated your thinking this week, would Jesus be in the top 10? Would the Word of God be in the top 10? If you have no thought for the Word of God, if we never think about what does Jesus think about this, if we're not bothered, I told you I was miserable, I was cool on the outside and miserable on the inside when I was sinning. If you have no thought for the Word of God, look at verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, lost people, can never please God. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature if you're a child of God. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. I say all the time, lost people act like lost people because they're lost. And I have to remind myself when I think, man, they just need to be slapped or whatever. No, Mike, you used to be lost too. Mike, you used to be backslidden too. You used to be a drunk like they are. You know, we got to remember the things that God has set us free from lest we be too judgmental of other people. If you keep giving in, if you keep going back to the hog trough over and over and over again and it doesn't bother you, one of two things is true. Either you're lost and there's no Holy Spirit living inside of you or or you're just so backslidden that you're just stuffing it down in there. But even at my most backslidden state, the Spirit of God was dialing up my number. You wouldn't know it to look at me on my outside when I laid my head on my pillow at night just me and the Lord he ate my lunch and I'm so thankful that he did or I probably wouldn't even be alive today if you have no thought for the word of God verse 7 the sinful nature is always hostile to God and never did obey God's laws it never will that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God salvation changes our appetite did you know that you know what else changed my appetite marriage specifically that woman right there, changed my appetite. My mama can tell you I was the pickiest eater. I don't know how my mama put up with me, but I was a picky eater, raised in South Georgia. All I knew was peas and corn and butter beans. I was just happy, give me peas and corn and butter beans every day. I'm not eating the casserole, that's what Yankees eat. I'm not eating broccoli, it stinks. I still don't eat broccoli. I'm not eating green beans just because I don't like them. Y'all, I didn't even eat macaroni and cheese. I mean, what was wrong with me, right? I dropped on my head as a child. And then I met this blonde headed woman right here. I was as poor as a church mouse I couldn't hardly afford. I lived off back then 50 when McDonald's had hamburgers 59 cents. That's what I ate. I lived off microwave popcorn at a 29-inch waist and I met Julie. By the time we got engaged, by the time we got married, I was already a 31-inch waist. By our first anniversary, I was a 34-inch waist. She made that homemade macaroni and cheese for me. It ain't even Christmas or Thanksgiving, but she made homemade, gluten-free macaroni and cheese to make you want to slap somebody you even like them. It's so good. You know, she she helped put that weight on me. And when we first got married, I remember this, she would finally start pulling the food away. You don't have to keep eating. She'd put it up so I wouldn't keep on eating. I've learned to eat green beans. I've learned to eat macaroni and cheese. I've learned onions are good, things that I wouldn't eat. Marriage changed my appetite. But salvation changed my appetite too. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, things that I used to want to do, I don't want to do anymore. I might be tempted. Temptation is a real thing. Jesus was tempted. But I don't have to give in to that stuff. Whereas before, I didn't want to go to church. Or if I did, I'm like, you know, every now and then we'll go to church. And I was okay with that. When I got saved, I couldn't get enough. I got saved. I wanted to be there all the time. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation, youth group, all that stuff. My appetite changed. Whereas before, I'd want to sleep right down to the last minute, slap the clock several times and sleep in. Now I set the clock early because i got to get up. I I have to read the Word of God. I need the Word of God. It's the most important appointment of my day salvation changed my appetite. I didn't care before. I was okay to go to church every now and then and sing Jesus Loves Me, but salvation changed my appetite. If your appetite for spiritual things has never changed, either you're lost or you're very far backslidden. And he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If not, Verse nine basically says you're lost. You're not even a Christian. Number four, Jesus sets us free to live and die in victory. It's all good. We live and we die in victory. Verse two, remember, says because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If you're a child in God, a child of God, you can't say I can't help it. This is just the way I am. No, I can't help it. Either I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I can't. I mean, if you say you're saved, that means you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You believe something supernatural. He raised his son from the dead. But what kind of faith is it to say, but I can't stop what I'm doing. I can't stop my sin. I believe he raised Jesus from the dead, but he he can't set me free from drinking or whatever it is that you struggle with. Don't say you believe the resurrection, but don't believe Philippians 4.13. I don't get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible I believe. either believe all of it, or I'm a practical atheist. Look at verse 10. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, dead to sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You get to live in victory. It's all good. If if a loaf of bread becomes $25, if a gallon of milk's 50 bucks, it's all good. The best is yet to come. God's going to provide every need, maybe not every want, and we were talking this morning, Rob and I, about some things we'd like to change. I said, you know, maybe somebody will come into a lot of money and tithe it to the church. That's not exactly what I said, but I'm cleaning it up for you here today. I don't want to put a, put a bad thought in anybody's mind. Rob's laughing at me. But if Christ is in you, you're more than a conqueror. We are more than conquerors. I'm getting ahead of myself in Romans 8 because that's my favorite 39 verses of Scripture. If Christ is in you, you ain't got to live like the rest of folks live. If Christ is in you, you've got resurrection power in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not only does he set us free to live victorious in this life, but to die and live again in victory. We know the best is yet to come when we get to heaven. I'm drawing a blank on this gentleman's name. Um, maybe Julie remembers. He was sweet, sweet little man at our, at our church in, in middle Georgia. And I would say, hey, how you doing, brother so-and-so? I'm a-hanging on. That was his answer every time. I can't think of his name. I'm a-hanging on. I ain't just hanging on. I'm walking in victory. I know that, but I'm not just waiting for the best is yet to come. God wants me to walk in victory today. He wants that supernatural power to flow through us today so that lost people who are freaked out by end times or freaked out by Israel, they see a peace in you that passes all understanding when it don't make sense. And they say, How is it you seem to have your junk together and the rest of us don't? That's a wide open door for you to tell them about Christ. Yeah, the best is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter of Scripture. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we'll all be, what's that word? Transformed. We're Transformation Church. We believe anybody and everybody can be transformed by the gospel. It'll happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. We're talking about the rapture. We who are living will be transformed. Our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed, this is the passage of Scripture that has that word in it more than any other passage. ought to be our theme passage here. Into bodies that will never die, the Scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? I ain't got to fear death. De- death has nothing on me. Oh, death, where's your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God. God, can somebody thank God this morning? Thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I know, I know there's no doubt about it. He lives in my heart, and I'm gonna shout it. I know, I know my sins are forgiven, and I'm on my way to a place that's called heaven. Don't you want to go with me to this place that's called heaven? If you don't know Jesus, if you've never been set free, Listen, it's not just heaven one day when you survive this world. It's walking in victory right now. And knowing, we'll get to later on, verse 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I hear people say, everything works out for the best. Mm, Maybe, maybe not. If you know Jesus, it does. If you don't know Christ, everything's working out for your bad. Everything's working out to show you your need of a Savior. Only believers in Jesus can claim that promise that all things work together for good. Because he goes on to say, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's make this personal. Number one, are you living under the condemnation of guilt? I'm telling you, you don't have to anymore. Those days are over. Tell the devil to get off you. He can't touch you. You're a child of God. For the devil to touch you, he's got to go through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that is not going to happen. Never, ever, ever Jesus is victorious. Are you living under the condemnation of guilt? Well, if you are, it's your choice because he says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Number two, are the burdens of life dragging you down? Life's tough. Life's tough. It's tougher than it's ever been But I'm not down. I'm not defeated. I'm not looking for signs, we said last week. I'm listening for a shout. I'm listening for the sound. I know we're about to be with the Lord. So the burdens of this life are not dragging me down. Number three, what must you do right now to experience full freedom in Christ? Full freedom. Not a little dabble, do you? Full freedom in Jesus. He wants you to be not just a conqueror. I'm preaching all of Romans 8 today, okay? Not just a conqueror, but later on he says more than a conqueror. I don't even understand that because a conqueror gets whatever they want. But he says, you're more than a conqueror. Poof, it just blows my brain to think, not only am I a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror because of Jesus. Stop living in defeat. Stop living in worry. Stop being mealy mouthed and down. And let's walk in victory, because it's all good for the child of God. If you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Maybe you've been a church member. Maybe you've been sprinkled or dunked. Maybe your name's on a church roll. But in your heart, there's no peace. There's no assurance. And 1 John 5:13 says you can know that you have eternal life. If you don't know that, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it's gone. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed next week and neither are you. I'm, I could drop dead before I get to the period at the end of the sentence. I'm speaking to you right now. But it's all good because I'll be with the Lord, okay? Do you have that same peace in your heart? If not, it's available to you today. It has a name. His name is Jesus. If you don't know Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please come and talk to one of us. Pastor Matt's going to come and lead us in a song. That's your time to respond. You need to come and get me or my wife or any of us and talk to us, and we'll take you out. We'll talk to you privately if you want that. If you want to kneel right here and pray, maybe your prayer is for people in your family that don't know the Lord. And you see, because they're not saved, all things are working out for their bad. The heat's just getting turned up, not to punish them, but to show them, hey, there's a better way in His name is Jesus. Maybe you want to come and pray for somebody that doesn't know Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the joy unspeakable in my heart. The world didn't give it to me, and thank God the world can't take it away. It comes from You. And Your Word says You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change, so Lord, my joy doesn't have to change. Forgive me when I look at the circumstances of life and I allow that to dictate my feelings. Lord, I don't have to live by my feelings. Thank you, I live by the facts of your word. The facts of your word trump Mike's feelings 365 days a year. So help me to walk in that reality. Lord, for somebody who maybe walked in here today or maybe they listen next week on the World Wide Web and they feel like everything's bad, they feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket and nothing's good in their life, Lord, show them how much you love them. You loved him so much, you hung on a cross and said, I love you this much and gave your life for our sins. I pray today be the day of somebody's salvation. I pray today be the day that you do a Holy Ghost adjustment on a professing believer's attitude. They don't have to keep making excuses for sin. They don't have to live the way they've been living, just like I didn't have to live the way I've been living. Thank you, Lord, for getting my attention, for giving me the sweet, gift, the present of forgiveness and restoration when I confessed my sin to you. Pray you'll restore a wandering Christian today. Or if there are those who are looking for a church home and they've prayed about it and feel like it's Transformation Church, God help them to take that step of obedience. Or for those in our life that don't know you, I pray it be like Jesus was in the Gospel of Matthew when he walked out and looked at the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them wet our eyes, burden our hearts for those around us that lack the joy that is ours. Forgive us when we hog that and we don't share it. In this time of invitation, Lord, if folks need to come pray, I pray they'll respond. If they need to pray where they are, I pray they'll respond. If they need to step out and ask somebody to talk to them privately, I pray you'll help them to respond. May each one of us know that before we walk off this property today, we've done business with you. We've walked in obedience to you, and everything is okay between you and us this day. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.